Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Busted Business Bureau podcast with me, Christian Borky. This is produced by the Lincoln Lodge, one of my favorite places to be. I guess I've never told you the title of the podcast, have I, Amy? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Busted Business Bureau? Yeah, that's what I'm... You've outdone yourself. <laughs> Truly, you, you have indeed so. outdone yourself. I, I purposefully didn't ask because I knew it was going to be great. <laughs> I'm glad Beyond you my like it. Dreams. Um, so good. It's so good. Today I have um, Amy Doe on the line. Hello. Sitting right next to me. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Hello. <laughs> Amy, how are you doing today? I'm doing swell. We just had some fantastic Ethiopian food. Yes, we did at Tesfa Ethiopian Cuisine. Shout out to Shouts. Tesfa Ethiopian Cuisine. My God, so good. And we got free parking directly across the street mm-hmm. from the restaurant. Yeah. The blessings come down. <laughs> We've been blessed today. Yes. Um, today on the Busted Business Bureau podcast, we are going to be talking about the spectacular rise and fall of Adelphia. Adelphia? Adelphia. Amy, I have a question for you. When did you get your first email? Like your first email address? <laughs> My you... first email address. And what was it? I, okay, it was amysaltpepper at yahoo.co.jp. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Why was it Amy Saltpepper at Yahoo.jp? I wish I could tell you, Christian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you, how old were you when you got that? Um, uh, Obama was president. Oh, okay. Um, I was in Japan. Mm-hmm. 20, like, Early, early 2000s. This was fascinating to watch your last <laughs> turn. Because Obama was not famously president until uh, 2008. Yes, exactly. And- <laughs> so like 2009, maybe? Okay. Somewhere um, in there? So that's, I got my first email. My dad like made it for me in like 2002, 2003. Oh, so when you were ish. a baby. So I did not know how emails worked. <laughs> this is re- this is relevant today. And okay. I promise you it's relevant. Okay. Um, so... Let me jump forward ahead in history to August of 2021. Herstory. Herstory. To a little place at my friend Peter's house where I am completely drunk. And things happened. We're watching YouTube videos, like of our own home videos. And when we're watching mine, mine is subscribed to this mysterious YouTube channel called Johnny Cash Rules 32. And Mm. I... um, through some sleuthing, learned that this page is mine that I made when I was a child. Uh-huh. This page has over 32 million views on YouTube. <laughs> and I forgot about it. 32 what? 32 million with an M. <laughs> what kinds of videos? It's two lyric videos to Johnny Cash two? songs. It's just two. So they have millions Which of ones? views each. I hung my head and a boy named Sue. <laughs> um, Amazing. I bring this up because this YouTube account is connected to my Adelphia email that my dad made me when I was uh, fucking zero. I don't know. I was I was little. Oh, my gosh. And it was made before I knew how email addresses worked and before Google was linked to YouTube. Uh-huh. And so I did not know how to get access to this email account back. Okay. Because as we'll talk about, we'll jump right into the story. Okay. Adelphia does not exist anymore. Oh, but it used to <laughs> it be used an to. email company? It used to be. It's a, a telecommunications company. Okay, okay. Um, that does, like, cable and stuff, too. Oh, okay. Um. So they also had emails, and uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Okay. So I want to talk, first of all, before we get into the story, I want to thank Dr. Susan Bishop of Walden University. Uh, shout she, out Dr. Bishop. Shout out Dr. Bishop. She did her whole write-up on Adelphia. It's not journalism. Um, 
It is, in fact, a doctoral dissertation that was successful because she's a doctor on the business ethics of like fraud at Adelphia, <laughs> which it's an ac- academic paper about business ethics, which is um, unreadable. <laughs> I'm sorry, doctor. <laughs> but, but you read it. I did read it. Uh, ethics should be written on a bathroom wall. Like academia <laughs> should be about turtles. <laughs> business should be um, busted because it's a business bureau, business bureau podcast. <laughs> Boom. Um Anyways, sorry. I just, um, so Dr. Bishop. Dr. Bishop is the president and CEO of Bishop Partners in New York City, which is, um, they like recruit hundreds of senior level executives for broadcasting, publishing and stuff. I bring this up because. Recruit executives? Uh, I mean, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recruits hundreds, hundreds of senior level executives for broadcasting, publishing and digital companies. Again, I mentioned this because in her doctoral dissertation, she's like, I interviewed a bunch of executives at Adelphia. So I bring up her background because it's like, she didn't just make this up. Okay. <laughs> like she okay. works in the field and did get yeah. a lot of interviews with former executives at Adelphia. Okay. And she was like, honestly, I didn't want to talk to them unless they were like senior level executives. Mm. Girl boss. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, so... The founder of Adelphia, the topic for our story today, is okay. a man named John Regas. Mr. Regas? Mr. R-I-G-A-S. Regas. Yeah. 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 Regas. Um, I think there's like an office space rental company named Regas. <gasps> That's hot. Yeah. When I worked for um, a corporate litigation attorney, she rented out a, a Regas office. How long did you work there for? A uh, summer. A summer. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I was just a copy clerk. I didn't last. Mm. <laughs> It, it was not your career journey. Yeah. Um, Regis was born in a rural New York town to Greek immigrant parents in 1924. Okay. Um, very Good time to be alive. Great. Uh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> he was poor. Uh, poor as shit. He was busting tables by the age of nine. Was in Bussing the army. tables at the age of Can nine? Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> like, that's closer to the ground than he is to the tables. Damn. You were a short nine-year-old, I think, because <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was definitely not. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you were a tall nine-year-old, okay? <laughs> he joined the Army during World War II when he was older than nine. Um, <laughs> and so. earned a bachelor's degree in management engineering, and he worked nights at his family's small movie theater. Okay. In 1952, he bought a stake in a cable TV franchise for, guess how much money? $5,000. $300. Oh, a steak? <laughs> a steak. A in, whole yeah, steak? A steak and a cable TV franchise for 300 bucks. Um, and uh, He must have He must have worked so hard to make that money. It, I, I guess in the fucking 50s, working work I don't girls, even know how much that is I now. don't know. I, I should have Googled it, and I didn't. In 1972, he launched Adelphia in Quartersport, Pennsylvania, and he bought the borough's... Ca- oh, I'm sorry. He bought the his stake in it for $300 by overdrawing his bank account. <laughs> I forgot to mention. Oh. So like he couldn't even afford the 30 bucks. Um, but he did it. He did it. His mind. He the did audacity. It. He makes Adelphia communications. And from here on in, I want you to picture all of the main characters from succession. Um, okay. Because there's two parents and uh-huh. three boys and a daughter. Uh-huh. Um, I want you to picture the cast of Succession. So right now we've got our Logan Roy cast and ready to go. Okay. It's, it's Succession, but they're all like unsexy and they love each other. Wow. Yeah. Um, what a concept. What a concept. It would be a very different show. <laughs> so Adelphia starts up and it's mildly successful, right? They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're acquiring different local. So they're a cable company at this point. Yes. A okay. cable company at this point. They're acquiring so like, like local TV franchises. Okay. Yes. Um, based out of, again, Quarterport, Pennsylvania, which is important because it's very rural. But keep that in mind. They're in this like very rural place with like a ton of headquarters and like white collar jobs that are coming in. Okay. Um, that they're making. Okay. So um, it's like a suburby, like there's an Ikea close by. Honestly, I, I, I guess I didn't look up the Ikeas in Quarterport, Pennsylvania, <laughs> but it was not 
um, it was very rural. Like not you poppin'? said suburban, it was not popping. Okay. At all. And okay. Philadelphia comes in. And Do they it, have a cool logo? No. Oh. It's like red and it's like an A. Adelphia means brotherly love in Greek. I forgot to mention. Oh. It's really cute. He started it with his brother. And Wait, that's cute. It's really cute. This whole time, this guy's really cute. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, major fraud, whatever. He's so cute. <laughs> okay. Um, he runs this as a family business. Um, the cable the, company? Yeah. Okay. Uh, by family business, like, all of his children are C-suite executives. <laughs> like, oh. Um, they have most of the... Deciding, C-suite executives? C-suite, what does that mean? Chief financial officer, chief, you know, uh, he's the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of his kids is, like, a senior VP. The least favorite. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and... Control of the company is highly centralized because he runs it like it's a fucking tiny donut shop, even though it's a growing, growing cable company. It's amazing that you say tiny donut shop because when I worked for that corporate litigation attorney, the best part of the commute was the tiny donut shop around the corner that was run by that was run by the kindest gay Filipino man. I love that for him. Who was trapped in Montlake Terrace. Oh, he started the donut shop because he loved sweet things and wanted to give more sweet things to the world. Aww, I love that for him. I know, right? Yeah, that's so cute. What was your favorite donut there? <laughs> um, I enjoyed I enjoy anything that's been coated in cinnamon sugar. Okay, that's that's a, a great opinion. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Um, the vibes are weird. At the <laughs> okay. Um, from Barry Myers right up in the New York Times, two thousand four. Both Michael who was 50 and Timothy 47 at the time are unmarried and live at the same house as their father and mother in Quartersport. So Michael and Timothy are two sons. Two sons who... And they live with... Their parents. Okay. At a company. Despite the fact that they all do make enough money to not do that. So it is by choice. Which is a small detail I mentioned because it's like... (laughs) What? Weird. <laughs> it's a little weird to me. Uh, no judgment, but it's a little weird. Um, <laughs> the fact that, again, they're based in Quartersport has a huge influence on the operations of the company, despite the fact that they were like in 30 states. They're headquartered in this tiny, tiny town. Why? Um, because uh, many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> One employee talked about how um, this is all in Dr. Susan Bishop's, you know, thing where she interviewed all these uh-huh, people. Yeah. Um, so... They get this in a, they, you know, start everything in a rural town so they can keep it run like a family operation and stay out of the the public eye, sort of. Okay. Like, if they were, you know, Time Warner or Comcast or whatever uh-huh. that's out of Buffalo or New York or whatever, uh-huh. um, you got more eyes on you and you have more um, people to answer to. Mm. When you're in a rural place, as we'll talk about, they sort of were treated like royalty there because they bring a lot of jobs to... Okay. Quartersport, Pennsylvania. And it probably makes it easier to justify the nepotism mm-hmm. because, like, there's literally no one else there is around. No one else there, that, so it's you know, like, yeah. okay. Um, so, kind of nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, the this employee talks about how if this is the, he's talking about how this is run like family business in a stupid way. Okay, he's talking about how if a technician needs to refill a car with gas for like thirty five bucks, it needs to be signed by several employees before being approved and reimbursed. The employee tried making a decision, saying. Um, any purchase under $50, I could directly approve it and then have it go to Michael, who's one of the sons. Uh-huh. Um, he agreed to give it a shot. After a while, he was like, you know, I'm out of touch with what's happening on the front line. He wanted to see the supervisor's written comments on every CSR and wanted to validate that I was not just rubber stamping expenses. So by his insistence on seeing all of this, it caused almost every expense and payable to go through a 90-day delay before being paid. What? <laughs> For like a technician refilling gas on a car. It needed to be seen by so many people, it caused like a 90-day delay to be reimbursed, which is inefficient, right? It's a family company being run inefficiently just because they need to have their eyes on everything. Okay, so, oh, okay, okay. Is it all coming together? 
Yeah, because... It's explained, but here it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, because it just doesn't make sense if you're running a really big company to be like, how are you spending your money? Mm-hmm. On the front lines, it's like, do yeah. you not trust the people that you've delegated responsibility to? Apparently the answer is, not. The answer no, is, the no, answer is no. <laughs> Um, for any, family has trust issues. <laughs> for any termination in the company, this is another employee that uh, okay. Dr. Bishop talked to. John, who's the CEO, the head guy, John mm-hmm. Regis, wanted to review it. Even a technician in Los Angeles. Woe be to me if I made a mistake. There were times where he reversed my decision and reinstated the person that he fired, oh? often just because he liked the guy or felt sorry for him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it is completely... Um, That's so random. It's very random and <laughs> difficult to do your job when you have to get, like, a, a firing approved by the CEO. Yeah. Um, an exec in docu- and Dr. Bishop. Dip, uh, I'll read. An exec in Dr. Bishop's paper illuminates the vibe of Adelphia. Um, they really provided white collar jobs in the area that was traditionally blue collar. Mm. Our traditional industries in Potter County were agriculture and logging and things like at the small carbon clip small carbon plant Mm. they created sort of jobs that were not in existence before Adelphia really grew like accounting legal operations and call center jobs okay it was a big economic boost for quarter sport but also Potter County McKinney County Tioga County all the way into Allegheny County (laughs) sorry this is the executive (laughs) still talking (laughs) you mentioned all the counties (laughs) people drove to work from six or seven surrounding counties because there was no other employer of the kind in the area okay they put in first class buildings and renovated ones that were there and to be honest they stayed in touch with the agriculture side of the county they had beautiful farms that were renovated and they put brought culture in they brought the buffalo philharmonic for christmas they had a big family family picnic every year at the park and for me and some others they bought a house and allowed me to live in it i think when i left they owned something like 160 houses most of which housed employees it helped to stabilize the real estate market and made housing more affordable for many people so that's why it's important that they're in the rural town of quartersport because they can rule it and they can sort of run it like a company town um I was almost going to say the word fiefdom, but I don't know what the word fiefdom means, and so I can't say it confidently. <laughs> but they run it like a company town. Do you like want to Google what a fiefdom no, is? No, I can. I, I, I'm not a. I'm not a Gen Z who's attached to my phone. I could just say the word and let it be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another employee has a different. So that employee sort of spoke fondly about how you uh-huh. know they bring a lot of. Yeah. You know, they bought him a house. Yeah, they bought him a house. I would be grateful if my employer bought me a house. Um, but. Per this other employee, most of the people worked for the Reguses in town, but they also lived in houses owned by the Reguses. It was very incestuous, which mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't want your employer to own your house. <laughs> yeah, imagine. It's a little fucked. Um, another one, <laughs> Susan Bishop gets some excellent um, quotes out of these people. Susan Bishop. Her mind. What did she, like, she must have been a, a compelling presence. She must have been. Um, per another executive she interviewed, they weren't the Greek mafia or anything like that, which is a great way to start a quote. <laughs> they were good, honest, salt of the earth, and they wanted to be in a rural area because they valued those sort of rural values. They didn't want to move to a big city. They encouraged us to go to lunch in the community and spread our money around, support local initiatives. They flew people to the Mayo Clinic to get health care, something those people could not have done on their own. This is fucking crazy. I had an employee who broke her vertebrae. See, she worked broke for the company. Broke her vertebrae? Broke her vertebrae. On the job? She she worked for the company for 60 days, and she wasn't eligible for health care at that point, but she flipped her car in the winter. They <gasps> paid $54,000 for her to get to Philadelphia and bring her back all for all of her treatment. Like, she did a fucking helicopter to get out there. Um, the Reguses just, like, personally paid for that. They were super invested in sort of the lower working line of... Adelphia. I almost said Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there are many things I can cite that they did go above and beyond and treat people like good neighbors. Um, because I think there is some truth to the idea that they did care about the fact that they were in a small town. Uh-huh. Um, but the picture starts to emerge in Dr. Bishop's p- paper 
that sort of reveals that it's sort of in a savior complex way. Mm. At least that's that's my interpretation of it. That's what do you mean by savior complex? So some other like executive D, they're all anonymous in the paper, says they did really good things for the truly needy. That came from John the CEO. Mm-hmm. I remember Tim, his son, saying mm-hmm. his father was weighing them down with the good deeds. If a relative and an employee died, Michael would always go to the funeral, whatever it was. Michael, another son, was the true humility of the family. There was no self-servingness. He truly did it to exhibit care. Hmm. But interestingly, if there was a more senior manager out there who needed something, they had no compassion for these people. <laughs> they felt that they were able to take care of themselves. So they helped on the front line, but often at the expense of the supervisors. And I'm not crying any tears over supervisors, but uh. it th- that makes it to me, it seemed like it was sort of in a savior complex way where it's like, we're helping these poor people, but the supervisors, we don't help. <laughs> yeah. Or at least, again, that's like my interpretation, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, uncharitable of their intentions. I mean, John Regas did grow up very poor. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it can really go either way. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the people who grow up poor and then make it out, you know, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they turn really hostile because mm-hmm. if you work hard enough, you can make it out too, like bootstrap mentality. Mm-hmm. And then there are the kind of people that give back. I think what might be happening is that he has empathy for people on the front lines mm-hmm. because of his past experience, sure. but cannot relate to the people above mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah like slightly above that just because he's like you had more than I ever did at that point and so I find you deeply unrelatable (laughs) I find you deeply unrelatable (laughs) you know what I mean though yeah I can totally see that interpretation of it yeah um because this guy god he's he went to jail (laughs) spoiler alert he went to jail (laughs) um but he's so cute he's so old and cute and frail it makes me want to have a charitable interpretation of intentions I, I mean, not on me, okay. uh, but I'll, I'll Google it and show you later. Because okay. um, he's old and sad. Um, in 1986, they become a publicly traded company. Up until okay. this point, they're a private entity. Now they're publicly traded, okay. which is the worst fucking mistake of their life because they continue to run it like a fucking family business that uh-huh. has no um, need to appease shareholders. Yeah. Which when I you're mean, a publicly traded company, you do have a need to do that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what would be the benefit for them? Was it just they got too big? They got too big. Okay. Had trouble managing, you know, the size of it and yeah. needed to go public. Um, despite being this publicly, publicly traded company, four of the seven board members and 100% of the C-suite staff were Regas's. Um, in the late 1990s, Adelphia purchased Century Communications for $5.2 billion and became oh the sixth God. largest cable company in the United States with 5.6 million subscribers, one of them being my dad, <laughs> <laughs> interestingly enough. Um, also, while this is going on, I, I'm, I'm going to start leaking in um, kind of what's happening on the other end. John Regas s- starts more obviously spending Adelphia money on personal expenses. Like? Like spending six thousand dollars to send two christmas trees to his daughter in new york or two two like two six thousand dollars for two christmas trees how were they tall i don't i have no pictures of the christmas trees like rockefeller center in there i am bad at research i guess because i did not find them um as many as 17 personal cars and 17 cars you only got two hands you only seven days of the week There are 14 days in two weeks. King. If you're going to get a lot of cars. It's too many. Um, 17 is a weird number of cars. He also had the company. It is a weird number of cars. How big is the garage? (laughs) I assume there's a street. (laughs) I can't answer your question. (laughs) I'm 
don't sorry, know, man. I'm an awful podcast. <laughs> no, that's fucking hysterical. <laughs> I keep asking questions. No, last week, Jaxie went, can I swear in the middle of saying a swear word? <laughs> um, and he bought 3,600 acres of timber... <laughs> Uh, of Timberland. Oh, for so that's where the Christmas trees came from. Enough for, <laughs> for twenty six million to preserve the view outside his Pennsylvania home. Um, okay, so but bought, I, I, I can I try to that. support that. Oh, I, I respect his journey. All three of those things, I respect the journey. <laughs> I don't know if I respect the seventeen cars, <laughs> and I think one Christmas tree is enough. <laughs> that, you know what? What if what if you have a north and a south wing of your house? You need one for each. Well, then she can buy her own. Mm, okay. <laughs> In 19, so again, nineteen eighty six, they become a publicly traded company. Uh-huh. More of the executives. Wait, as he's they, old then. He's already fucking old. Like <laughs> he's born in what twenty four. So by eighty six, he is in fact old. Um, in nineteen ninety nine, he is diagnosed with bladder cancer, okay. which is relevant because his son Tim steps up as the de facto CEO, mm. which again is going to be the fucking nail in the coffin. Oh no! Like uh, on succession, you know Kendall. Uh-huh. He's like the one who's sort of uh-huh. about to be in charge. It's uh-huh. sort of like if Kendall took over. Oh, but okay. again, we've only seen season one. <laughs> Yeah, the two of us have them. only seen season one. <laughs> only seen season one of Succession. So anything could happen. Um, so again, uh, Kendall, sorry, Tim takes over. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't like Tim. Uh, I think we, I like all of them. Okay. To be fair, there's really no point in the story where I'm going to tell you I don't like them. Okay. I like all of them. Okay. <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a real. This is not what I was expecting. I know it's kind of a fun little romp. Last week was way ambitious. I, I don't need to reflect on last week. We're we're moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep in mind, Adelphia is only using one um like one central managing system for their money despite the fact that they are like i said before fucking huge they're like a billion dollar company there's only one uh cms to manage all of their wait so there's one person like one system i guess i should say okay which they're a very very large company and using one is kind of weird okay um i guess i i just don't understand uh, so a uh, district judge Ger- gerard p lynch in his 2004 summary of there is a trial that happens okay um the cms was used for receipts and payments not only for adelphia and its subsidiaries but also for the regas's um thus, oh. creating, thus creating one centralized pool of cash for all regas controlled businesses so even if they're not oh. adelphia they still have this one cms to pull money from whenever they want oh which is okay. just bad yeah it's that makes no sense like it's yeah it's bad for business yeah. <laughs> That's like having all of your checking and your savings in just one account and not differentiating which is which and just kind of randomly pulling out your rent. <laughs> like it's a big bucket. Yeah, like it's a money bucket fun. in the house. Actually, my money box. <laughs> um, following Adelphia's bankruptcy filing in, filing in June 2002, which we'll talk about. Um, they filed for bankruptcy? They did. That's what happens when ex- you only have a money bucket. <laughs> there was an examination that was conducted um, include, like, inc- for all the records, including the CMS. Um, it was concluded that between January 1st, 1999 and May 10, 2002, the Rigas used the CMS to transfer in excess of $55 million from <gasps> Adelphia to their family entities. Oh? Which is a lot of money. It's the 90s. <laughs> we can do anything. <laughs> for funsies. Um, and again, that's only between 1999 and 2002, and that's what they could find. <gasps> um, so before then, it was pretty clear from all the interviews that Dr. Bishop conducted that they were doing that long before 1999. Oh, my god. But 1999 steps up, and again, um, Tim is now the de facto CEO, uh-huh. so that's sort of when things start going off the rails. Mm, it's Y2K. It's Y2K. So again, Y2K happens, 9-11 happens, March 27, 2002 happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going through historical context. <laughs> We're in the Bush administration. (laughs) Um, On March 27, 2002, there's a quarterly conference call with investors that takes place. Okay. Um, Auditors, lawyers, independent board members are all... Oh, to be on a conference call. Oh, to be on a conference call. 
Um, this is pre-Zoom, okay, everyone? Historical context. It's a party line. It's a party line. You got one of those consoles in the middle of the desk? It's probably giant and fucking clunky because it's <laughs> 2002. And then everybody's literally sitting around a table. <laughs> and they're all, like, apparently this is an incredible meeting. Everyone really... Incredible was, meeting! A, according to, like, one person who came out of the meeting, they were like, this is a great meeting. I've never been to an audit, but I guess it was a great I'm, meeting. I, <laughs> wait, I want to talk to them. It was the I, best ever. <laughs> Um, but one at the very end of the meeting, mm-hmm. one employee who's a Merrill Lynch Wall Street analyst, okay. um, who's just like, for all intents and purposes, a fucking rando who's okay. just like at this meeting. Uh-huh. Um, by the there's name always of, one. There's always one by the name of Oren Cohen. He waits till the very end of the call to ask his question. His question is about a footnote that was in like this lengthy, lengthy report that they're all talking about and having a fun time doing. Uh-huh. Um, and the footnote lists. Um, and a footnote on the audit lists $2.3 billion in off-balance sheet debt. And he said, what assets do you have to back that up? You can't just write at the very bottom of your paper that you have $2.3 billion in debt and, like, no, <laughs> no structure of backing. Like, what assets do you have is basically his question, which uh-huh. is a simple question. It, uh-huh. it's, it shouldn't be hard to answer. Yeah. If you are, are structuring the debt for your company, you should know the answer. Uh-huh. Um, Tim, who is again now the de facto CEO and has mm-hmm. been for like two years, uh, fumbles the bag, <gasps> completely doesn't know how to answer, and is like, <gasps> and it's Tim and his friend, not his friend, Tim and Jim. <laughs> no, not Tim and Jim. Tim and Jim, both fucking. Is there a slim? There's no slim yet. <laughs> they fuck up the question real hard by just having like no answer to it. Like They like just. They ju- they're just like, I don't know, in front of all of these investors and all of these people, all these, you know, it's like, again, a publicly traded company. Oh so a lot of people witness them fucking fumble the bag. And this one question basically takes down the entire billion dollar empire. Imagine messing up so bad. Imagine messing up. So imagine being Oren Cohen. I would have a boner the for girl the rest boss. of my life. <laughs> the yeah. girl bossery. Like, it is crazy. I would (laughs) immediately. (laughs) If that's also, this is around the time where um, this is completely unrelated. But Enron, which is like a big energy company, Mm -hmm. also had gone down, and Mm -hmm. like George Bush was involved in the. It was a whole thing. So it was really fun at the time to take down big companies, and so it's always always been fun. But it was really it was there was a lot going on at the time. I guess is what I'm saying, Warren. Um, you go, girl. <laughs> I. It is worth mentioning that Oren is a man, and I will, oh, okay. I will keep saying that he's a girl boss. <laughs> I just, I don't want to, you know, I want to respect Oren Cohen. <laughs> but you are a girl boss, sir. Um, so, uh, you know, they gave no assurances that they could, um, you know, the whole thing. Team re- Tim fumbles the bag. Oh, uh, so again, everybody sees that, and the stock price starts plummeting immediately. Immediately, it goes down <laughs> to fourteen cents a share, which you don't need to know much about the stock. You know that's fucking nothing. <laughs> um, and then the SEC launches an inquiry into <gasps> them, being like, "Hmm, what is what is all that about? Um, we heard about that meeting. Um, so there was a lot happening. This whole time they've been a company." With the knowledge of John, the CEO, Timothy Regas directed or approved quarterly earnings press releases that fraudulently inflated Adelphia's basic subscriber number and their growth rate. So they just lied. They just lied. I mean, this this is an entire paragraph that's basically saying they lied to people. Like when when asked how big is your company, they were like this big. <laughs> it's like WeWork. Yeah, it is like WeWork. Oh they my god! Just next week episode. They just lied. They just straight up lied. They're like, uh, we have a million subscribers. We have a billion jillion subscribers. Um. So he also inflated the percentage of cable systems that Adelphia had upgraded during its rebuilding program. Um, 
they had inflated Adelphia's earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Oh, Jesus. Amortization. <laughs> I can read. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, they, they lied to people. They lied okay. to shareholders. They lied to people who were trading stocks. They were lying to basically everybody um, about how successful their company was because did, they'd taken out so much fucking money to just finance their own silly little shit. Mm. Um, did people like inside the company know that those reports were being they made up no nobody oh. knew according to dr bishop's you know it, again this is 10 people she interviewed uh-huh. right but of the 10 people they were like no they were so tight as a family they kept everything the only two non-family members who knew stuff were jim from mm-hmm. earlier and this other guy named michael um, <laughs> like a different michael okay um so it's so sad too because jim turns on all of them like <gasps> he gets no jail time he <gasps> sells them all out he's like i knew everything it's like they should have just kept it in the family (laughs) because jim sells them the fuck out wow here is some of the frauding that was happening um so again they've got this one cms system where it's one money pool they can just Uh put it into anything Uh um john's wife doris has a a design company called dober designs um no (laughs) you know received a ton of money from that um wending creek farms which is uh adelphia paid john regis's uh farm for lawn care and snow plowing like he just used Adelphia money for like silly shit like that also song catcher films which is um his daughter produced a movie no and i did watch the movie and it's i wanted to say it's bad it's not it's great it's got lesbians It is a great movie. <laughs> High production value? High production. It was like an soundtrack? art house film. Yeah, great soundtrack. It was really? about, bluegrass, about bluegrass. Um oh. There's live singing. The main character from Shameless is on it. Fiona from Shameless is oh, in the movie. Okay. I don't know if that means anything to you. Fiddles? Um, was there a washboard? Uh, there was a fiddle. I don't know. if there, I can't remember if there was a washboard. I assume so. Is there an egg shaker? <laughs> That's too many questions about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I really like egg shakers. <laughs> um, so... That would be pretty good. <laughs> I want to know more about this movie. Okay, so the movie... Fine. The movie is about a Wait, woman... Wait, so it was made by Regis's daughter. daughter. Ellen. It was produced by Ellen. Okay. Um, who was basically the shiv in the situation. Because okay. her husband, who... I can't remember his name now. I think it's Peter. is basically the Tom because he also works at Adelphia. Whatever. Okay. This movie is about a woman who gets denied like a music professor job because she's a woman and it's like olden times. Uh-huh. And she goes into like the mountains, the Appalachian mountains to just like do a research project. And then she discovers that like a lot of people in the Appalachian mountains are singing music that came over from like England Mm -hmm. when English people came over. Mm -hmm. And so this is a very big discovery because Mm -hmm. like it's carried down for generations. Mm -hmm. There's lesbians in it. Um, and then because there's lesbians, a schoolhouse gets burnt down. Oh, um, she's not a lesbian though. I think it's her sister that's a lesbian. And then they all just like she was gonna present her findings to like a conference, but then mm-hmm. all of it gets burnt down. She's <gasps> like, well, I shouldn't have done it anyway because like this is your culture. And then she just like goes away with them. And then a man comes and finds all of the recordings and stuff. Oh, so it's based on a true story. Oh my <laughs> Anyways, gosh! Wait, what? It was based loosely based on a true story. Anyway, we're talking too much about this movie. Anyway, <laughs> the fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I find that story very compelling. It was it's a great movie actually. <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> um so a uh, per an anonymous senior level exec Back to the Dr. Bishop's paper. The problem was that uh, the problem was that this is John's company, and I don't think he could ever let go of that. He saw it as his personal company, his private business that he built and owned. Tim and others were, I do not know if sleazy is the right word, but willing to do things I wouldn't do. For example, not separating the businesses. <laughs> Which is a great quote. <laughs> um so 
if you did, it, people were figuring out that there was fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing was, because it was run like a family company, they really had nobody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Another person, Dr. Susan Bishop's paper, writes, if somebody truly found out that the Regases were doing something wrong and it was brought to their attention, it would be like, that's not your concern. Sit down, shut up, and wear beige. <laughs> Sit down, shut up. Wear beige. Wear beige. That is, I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> do you own any beige clothing and do you ever sit down and shut up in it? I actually have a beige sweater that I've been wearing so often. <laughs> Where's it from? Uh, it's from It's from fucking Target, which has an incredible clothing section right now. Uh, that is not of our, our concern. I'm sitting down shutting up and wearing beige right now. <laughs> we are all in our heart of hearts sitting down shutting up and wearing beige. <laughs> Spiritually, that's what I'm doing. And so, mind you, this entire time that... Um, this fraud is happening. Mm-hmm. Deloitte and Touche are doing quarterly reports. You know Deloitte, right? Yes. I know people who work for Deloitte. Um, Wait, are they not doing quarterly reports? No, Deloitte is doing quarterly reports. Yeah, but... A d- um, they're just... They just... Vibes. They just... It's on vibes and vibes alone. Um, <laughs> they did too much sitting down, shutting up. They, they wore, wore too, too much, too much beige. beige. <laughs> and so Deloitte and Touche, uh, the, the SEC did charge Deloitte and Touche because they were like, this is so much fraud that happened and you guys were a separate entity that was supposed to be auditing them. They settled the SEC paying $50 million without any admission or denial of guilt, which is not a lot of money for Deloitte. I can neither confirm nor deny. However, here is $50 million. Uh, Please ask no more questions. That's exactly what happened. That's I don't even need to read the court case. Because <laughs> you know how are we doing on time? Are we, uh, what, what are we at? Oh, so uh, sorry. We're, we're good. You're at about 33. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, sorry to ask you again. Um, so, 2005 uh, rolls around, mm-hmm. and at, at this point, this is being heavily litigated in court because um, the Merrill Lynch employee, Orrin Cohen, the girl boss, yes. um, yet he had triggered this entire snowball effect that had wound up in a lengthy court battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in July of 2004, uh, I'm sorry, I said 2005, but I meant 2004, the lengthy trial results in a jury finding that John and Tim are guilty of any substantial charges. Like, they are charged with fucking everything. Oh, <laughs> um, just the two of them? Just the two of them, because one of them wasn't a high enough level executive to be put in it. Uh-huh. The other one was only charged with, like, wire fraud, and then the, he was acquitted. They deadlocked another charge of his, and then ultimately decided that it was not worth it. Um, so John and Tim really take a big Oof. fat L for everybody. Um so, for Adelphia, the company, under the settlement agreement, the Regas family members will forfeit in excess of $1.5 billion in assets. Where does that all that money go derived from fraud? Do they uh, give it back? So, uh, they're supposed to give it back, but it's like they don't have it. Like, they don't, yeah. they have no money anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they spent it on, they, on Christmas trees and cars and a beige lo- sweaters. Beige sweaters and a lovely art house film about lesbians. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> were the investments all? Were the investments. You could get it for free on Tubi. Sorry. <laughs> That's how I watch it. <laughs> Um, so the Regas family members uh, will forfeit in excess of 1.5 billion in assets. They'll pay 700 yeah, bill, with a big fat B. They'll pay 715 million to a victim fund to be established in the district court because once Adelphia shuts down, like a bunch of people don't have jobs anymore. Yeah. Um, and you know they lose retirement, they lose whatever. Right. So 715 million gets put into a victim fund, and they file for a Chapter 11, which is bankruptcy. Uh-huh. Um, Mark Schofield, the director of the SEC's Northeast, Northeast Regional Office, said this settlement agrees. Uh, the settlement agreement presents a strong, coordinated approach by the SEC uh, in resolving one of the most complicated and egregious financial frauds committed at a public company. <gasps> I know. 
oh, to be the most complicated and egregious fraud committed by a public company. Especially when the Enron thing just happened. This guy's got some opinions. Um, <laughs> on June 20th, 2005, uh, this is what happens to John and Tim. Mm-hmm. John gets sentenced to 15 years of imprisonment. And again, he's fucking old at this point. He was born in 1924, and this is 2005 that they're sentencing him. Um so he's like, what, 80-something? Almost 90? If I could do math, I would tell you. He is almost 90. Um, and Timothy is sentenced to 20 years of imprisonment um, to be followed by two years of supervised release. Oh, actually, I wrote it down. John Regis was 82 when he entered prison in 2007. Um, he was diagnosed with bladder cancer in 1999, and uh-huh. it becomes a problem uh, by 2016. And so in 2016, at age 91, he was granted compassionate release because they were like, he's going to die in three months. Just let him die in his house. And then he, he lived for so long after that. <laughs> he, they were like, he's only got three months to live. He goes, he does like a first pitch at a baseball game. He also, at some point I forgot to mention that he bought the Buffalo Sabres NHL team. <laughs> Which at this point he no longer has control of, but he goes to all the hockey games. Like, um, and he only died, guess when he died? I Yesterday. Went, no, it was not yesterday. It was um, September 30th of 2021. So like fucking three months ago. <laughs> Less than three months ago. <laughs> he was alive during COVID? He was, al- yeah, he was alive during COVID. And he did not even die of COVID. He died of, obviously, old age. Um, because he was fucking ancient. Um, oh my goodness. And Timothy was released from prison in, 2019, in July of 2019 after serving 12 years. He served 12 years in prison. Um, I found the out, Olympics. I'm sorry, we need to circle back to this being all about me. Um, <laughs> I found out in September of 2021 about Johnny Cash Rules 32, uh-huh. the same month that John died. <gasps> Mind you, I made this with an Adelphia email account. <gasps> Adelphia had that whole court case in 2004. Uh-huh. They were completely gone by 2006, and I did not know that when I made the YouTube account in 2008. <gasps> <laughs> so there was no email to go back to to like find Johnny Cash Rules 32, which, for those of you listening at home, has 32 million views on it. So how did you get back into it? Um, so I had remembered that I had done it. Christy101 at Adelphia.net was my email. And Google, they do this special thing for YouTube for accounts that are made like pre-Google uh-huh. where you can recover it if you knew the password. And my password has been the same since I was in fifth grade, so I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so I am pleased to announce to all of you that I do have access to Johnny Cash Rules 32. And I've posted two new YouTube videos. <laughs> Everybody go subscribe. Everybody go subscribe to Johnny Cash Rules 32, the actual um, star of the story. So... Um, John Regis is dead. Timothy Regis is still alive. They have a small media company that's still left in Quarterport, Pennsylvania, Quartersport, Pennsylvania, called Z- Zito Media, which means new life. Um, Aww. It's really cute. <laughs> it's really sweet. After all their fraud, they're trying to do it again. Yeah, the two sons that didn't get into prison are doing it again. Um, doing it different this time. Doing it different. Um, Wearing a camel instead of a beige. Oh, maybe Navy's in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So that is the story of Adelphia. And more importantly, the story of Johnny Cash Rules 32. um, Beautiful. Which is a lighthearted romp through telecommunications and cable. Um, My dad, I texted my dad this morning being like, do you remember any of your service about Adelphia? And he was like, no, it was a cable cloning... a cable company 20 years ago it was fine <laughs> um what do you feel like you learned i feel like i learned that uh i am very empathetic towards these fraudsters <laughs> because when he came back from prison everybody in quarter sport was like we love you john yes. glad you're back like hometown hero hometown hero. it doesn't matter how much fraud they've committed if they gave you a house 
if they gave you a house or they flew you in from Philadelphia after you've shattered your vertebra, like, <laughs> yeah. I would be obsessed with that man, too. Yeah, so would I. So maybe they did have something going for them of, of being good to the people at the bottom. Yeah. Fine to the people in the middle and mean to the people towards the top and then beautiful to themselves. Be- absolutely beautiful <laughs> to themselves. I wish I made that art house lesbian movie and had it financed by my dad. You can. I can. You know, I will. You still can. It won some awards at Sundance. It won best um, best ensemble, and the woman who's in Shameless, she won like a, a like an Independent Spirit Award. So they have taste. That is not a bad showing for an art house film from two thousand and one. No, no, it is not bad. I at didn't all. even know art house films existed before. <laughs> I just thought they disappeared in the t- early two thousands. Mm. Um, I thought they were like really big, like towards you know in the nineteen hundreds, nineteen like eighties, and then they just left. Ignorant. And then they recently came back. Mm. You know, Ignorant. along with like low rise jeans. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you feel you learned from today? I you know I I really feel like um I'm going to carry the mantra of sit down, shut up and wear beige <laughs> just forward into my life. Yeah. I'm going to think about that so often. Okay, I'm glad. And I and I also um, enjoy talking about emails. Like, you really helped me recover the memory of my first email. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to try and get back into it. Hell yeah. <laughs> my first uh, Gmail was chubwub213 at gmail.com. I'm sorry, what? It was chubwub213 at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Why 213? Um, I enjoyed those numbers <laughs> in that particular order. <laughs> uh, so, is, is there a YouTube account associated with that no, too? I mean, as far as Lady I know, Gaga rules four two six. I actually had many YouTube accounts. I had um, I had too many. <laughs> I made them like they were. I, I made like too Facebook many. groups. Yeah, I, I I that's what I thought you did with YouTube. It was really fun. It was very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, that is Adelphia. Incredible. How are we feeling? I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for having me on, Christian. Of course. I am delighted to have had you on here. (laughs) Um, This has been the second episode of the Busted Business Bureau. Um, You know, we're going to keep making these, and you're going to freaking like it. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to keep busting it. I have some really good ones planned, so keep listening. Gorgeous. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say today. Have have a great uh, rest of your day. Keep listening. That's what I have to say. Keep listening. Yep. <laughs> wear beige. Support this, wear beige. Support the Lincoln Lodge. Donate all of your money to them. Um, and yeah, wear, be- wear your beige. <laughs>